This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Everybody. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Keeping Carlson. The Short Shifts guys just had their season finale on Tuesday, but that doesn't mean we still can't do midweek shows. Uh, so I'm Elon Dubrovsky, and with me is a really special guest today, the associate editor at Dauber Hockey, DFS Guide, Awesomeo.com. It's Slim Cliffy, Michael Clifford. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be back. Uh, I know you guys tried to get me on a little bit earlier this year. This has just been a really, really busy, crazy season. It's just a weird season too. It, it like tough to keep track of everything, and it's it's just nice to kind of sit back and just relax and just talk some hockey and and you know just kind of keep a, a somewhat leisurely pace because it seems like this whole season's been rushed. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. It seems like a completely normal season to me. No, yeah, this has been insane. Hopefully, we're done with our postponements. Like, the season's almost over at this point, so things will hopefully just play out, and we'll see what happens. A lot of people are finishing up their fantasy seasons this week. Uh, so I reached out to the patrons of Keeping Carlson, just asked for some questions. I've got, we got Slim Cliffy coming on. Any cool questions that you want me to ask him? And so I've got a fun list here, and I guess so these are questions ranging from just general player evaluations down to, like, help this weekend help me win my championship so we'll see how many we can get through in a half hour show so let's just get started uh with a few questions that all were about slumping players i guess now is the time of the fantasy season where you know if it was early on and matt barzal is slumping you're like well whatever just hold on hopefully it'll be fine but now i guess you can consider dropping him for someone else that maybe plays an extra game so let's start with the question from ryan downey what do we think of the recent barzal cold streak so only one assist in his last six games going to today by the way we're recording this thursday around 5 30 p.m. so right before the slate of thursday games so who knows if uh, barzell will have a hat trick by the time you're listening to this but yeah he in his latest game playing with eberly and bailey uh trot said there may be lineup changes tonight after three straight losses to the caps where they were shut out twice so it's been a while since the islanders haven't been scoring so it's not only barzell it's the whole team is he the kind of guy that you're expecting don't even worry is he is he at a level so he's a superstar don't even worry about him no matter what I'm not quite that far yet because you're right. This is the end of the season. Like you have to make some hard decisions and a, a good point about Barzal in his little slump here without Anders Lee. Like if you go back a few years without, whenever he doesn't play with Anders Lee, the expected goals goes down about a half goal and actual goals go down about a half goal or like 0.75 goals. Like, they're cons- he's considerably worse offensively without Anders Lee there. Now, maybe somebody like Kyle Palmieri, if he gets moved up there, eventually can help out or something. But we're running out of games and you can't sit there and hope somebody gets moved to his line to help out. And you look at their, like, I'm, I just have their schedule in front of me right now. 
Their last 10 games, eight of them have been against Washington, New York, or Boston. Those are all really tough matchups. So, like, if you need somebody new, this if you need somebody for this weekend, I have no problem dropping Barzal because Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they only have one game and it's against the Rangers. Uh, you imagine, you know, they're going into New York, so you imagine he's going to get Adam Fox for most of that game. So I have no problem dropping Barzal if it's just for this week. If you need him for the rest of the year, after these two games against the Rangers, there's two against Buffalo, and then there's two against New Jersey. So if you don't need Barzal, if you don't need a performance out of Barzal this week, I would hold on to him. If you really need games played or you're desperate for, you know, for points or whatever, I think I'd be fine with dropping Barzal for this weekend. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's too bad this guy was on a really nice run, potentially going to break his season high points per game. Or I guess, no, he wasn't going to get up to that 86 points per game that he had in that first season. But it was looking good until now, this cold stretch. So hopefully it's just a team thing. It's too bad that the Islanders were only able to get Paul Mary, not like a Taylor Hall. Obviously, that would have been a much more exciting replacement for Anders Lee. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they really wanted to get two players because they had to replace Lee and they had to replace whoever Michael, Dow- wherever Michael Dow Cole was going to play in the top nine. So they wanted to get two players, which is why I think they didn't go after Hall. But I agree with you. I think Taylor Hall would have really made a big difference here. Yeah. Uh, okay. So another slumping player recently is Kyle Connor, who Shams wanted us to look into. His production has cratered over the last few games, according to Shams. I'm looking here. He's pointless in three. Again, this is a team that hasn't been scoring as much lately. The Jets only have one goal in each of their last three games versus Edmonton in the last couple in Toronto before that. They're playing Montreal next on Friday. I guess also not looking good for Kyle Connor is his recent deployment. So he's been playing on a line with Wheeler and Stasny, which I guess is okay. The Wheeler doesn't seem to be the same Blake Wheeler of old. But also the Jets changed up their power plays recently. And in the last game, they had a top power play of Shifley, Wheeler, Stasny, Mason Appleton, and Neil Pionk, which left Kyle Connor to be on the second unit with Dubois and Perot and Cop. Like, the second unit on Winnipeg is usually not so bad because Nikolai Ehlers is there, but he's now injured for the season, which is a bummer. Uh, So do you think that Kyle Connor is going to be able to finish out the season strong, or is he another guy that you can maybe drop if you don't like his schedule? Yeah, he's he's in the same boat for me as Barzal. If you need somebody for this weekend, I'm fine with that because Winnipeg only has one game on the weekend, and it's Friday night in Montreal. Like, that's you know, Montreal's not a great team, but they're still pretty good defensively. Um, and that can be a tough matchup uh, for almost any team going in, not named Toronto, I guess. Uh, so if you need somebody uh, for this weekend, I have no problem dropping Connor for this weekend. But it's the same thing um, like with Barzal. He's got a good schedule coming up. After this weekend, they have six games left, two against Ottawa, two against Vancouver. So if you need help this weekend, I have no problem dropping him especially where his ice time's been inconsistent, right? Like last year, it seemed like he was playing 20, 21 minutes a game regularly. This year, at least lately, a lot of games down around 17 minutes, which is not where you want Kyle Connor. Um, You want him volume shooting. So uh, same thing with Barzal. If you need help this weekend, I have no problem dropping Connor. But after this weekend, his schedule gets pretty easy. So if you're you're in a roto league or you have a week left in your head-to-head, I would probably hang on to him. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that that... Uh, Winnipeg changed up their power plays and then only scored one goal. Like yet again, like again, we're unsuccessful. It means that maybe there's another shakeup coming in the future as they try to figure something out. And you'd, you'd have to assume that Kyle Connor being a major part of the offense is going to be a big part of the solution to get this team to score again. I would- well, it's either that or Mason Appleton has to turn into like Alex Radulov or something here real soon because this has to stop. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of, uh, I guess, scary for Jets fans, like going into a playoff run and all of a sudden now they're starting to not know how to score goals anymore. But yeah, I guess that's what happens when you lose a top player like Ehlers. Okay, so Shams also wanted us to talk about Matt Dumba. So obviously a level down, but in a bangers league, he has Dumba, hasn't doing much shooting lately. He's tempted to just replace him with a forward that could score or a more like hits and blocks kind of defender so i'm looking at dumba here he had an assist wednesday versus st louis before that he was on a three-game pointless streak before that he had five points in five games i don't know he averaged it all out over the season he's got 18 points in 43 games a 34 point pace obviously this is not the matt dumba that a lot of people were thinking they were seeing back in like 2018-19 when he had 22 points in 32 games before going down with that injury since he's come back he's been a totally different player so just in general what are your thoughts moving forward on a matt dumba i've got him in my dynasty league and I was kind of hoping he could do a little better than a 35-point pace. Yeah, like a couple years ago, I thought Matt Dumba was going to be the new Shea Weber. Like 15 goals, 45 points, triple-digit hits and blocks every year. Like I thought he was really going to be that guy. Uh, Kind of falling off on hard times. I think part of it is what Minnesota is doing in particular on that team. Uh, It seems like they have a no-shooting policy among their defensemen. (laughs) No defenseman on their team with at least 200 minutes played this year has an individual shot rate above 10 shot attempts per 60 minutes this year. Last year, they had four defensemen with at least 10 uh, individual shot attempts per 60 minutes. No one on this blue line is shooting. So, and this is something I brought up in my Dauber ramblings a while ago with Toronto. Toronto's going through the same thing with Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's not shooting at all. And it seems to be a team effect. It seems to be coaching that they don't want the defensemen taking the shots. They want them deferring uh, to the forwards. So, like, I don't have any faith that Matt Dumba's shot rate is going to, you know, turn itself around here over the final couple of weeks. So if you need, if you don't need uh, what Dumba can bring, which honestly, if he's not shooting and scoring, isn't a lot different from somebody that brings only hits and blocks, right? So if you need, if you desperately need more hits and blocks, yeah, I have no problem dumping him because one, like it seems, you know, they have been rotating defensemen around a lot on the power play in Minnesota, but for now it seems at least Jared Spurgeon has a lock on the top power play unit. So that's one point against Dumba. And the other, like I said, is nobody on this team on the blue line is being allowed to shoot. So if he's not getting heavy power play minutes and if he's not shooting, uh, he's just a hit and block machine. Like I'm afraid, I hate to say it, but that's all he is in fantasy. So yeah, if you really need somebody with more hits and more blocks, I'd have no problem uh, dumping Dumba for the rest of the year. Yeah, man, things have really changed. Like, it used to be that Spurgeon was like, yeah, second power play, boring guy. Now he's the one that gets to play with Fiala and Kaprizov and Dumba is stuck with... Who is it? Marcus Johansson, Matt Zuccarello on that second power play. So obviously a big step down. Okay, one more slumping player. Uh, Julianne Paquette wanted us to talk about Tevo Teravainen, who's just recently come back from his injury. I believe it was a concussion. I should have probably looked this up before. I think that's what it was. Anyways, in his first game back versus Dallas, no points, no shots. Obviously not very exciting. Carolina plays again tonight. And it looks like from the practice lines, he's going to be playing on the top line with Aho and Sveshnikov. So that's great. Though, I guess one thing that makes him not as exciting as he's been in previous years is he wasn't playing on the top power play in the most recent game. It's like Jordan Stahl and uh, Vincent Trocek have bumped him from that top unit. So do you expect that Tara Vinen can be like this like superstar that people drafted him to be? Or at this point, not on the top power play? Are we looking at maybe, I don't know, 50, 60 point guy? Like it's a good even strength line, but he's coming back from injury. So who knows if he has rust? I, I hate the no shots. I got to tell you. So there's a lot of red flags here, but at the same time, he's Tavo Tara Vinen. 
Yeah, he is Teravainen, but uh, the power play points is a, is a good thing to bring up because um, per, per this particular question, it's only goals, assists, and power play points that count. So power play points are obviously very important. And with Teravainen on the second unit, Carolina does like a 66-33 split. So he might only get like a minute or a minute and a half of power play per game. And that's really not a lot. And you look at some of the other names that uh, were mentioned uh, in that question, like Sorelli, Vrana, no thank you. Uh, Batherson and Norris, like those could be guys I would be interested in, especially next week where Ottawa has four games, right? Like Ottawa has a four game schedule next week, but no easy games. There's no Vancouver games in there. Uh, they're all, you know, Montreal, Winnipeg, even Calgary. Calgary's turned it around defensively of late as well. So like I would say one of the Ottawa guys, like I'd lean Norris, but uh, I don't really like their schedule coming up. Sam Bennett is the guy that really sticks out to me uh, on this list of players. Yeah, I should probably mention. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't uh, mention the list of players. Yeah, so Julian, not only did he ask about Teravainen, he was saying if he drops him, he's looking at, so again, yes, Sorelli, Verana, Bennett, Batherson, Norris, Olafson, Fuliarvi. So yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, he's, yeah, there are a list of players here. Uh, so like I'd knock off Sorelli, no power play p- points, knock off Verana, don't want anybody from Detroit. Knock off Olofsson, don't want anybody from Buffalo. Knock off Puliarvi, he's not on the top power play unit. So then it comes down to Terrabine and Batherson, Norris and Bennett. I would probably knock off Batherson and Norris because I don't like their upcoming schedule. Uh, Bennett, at least, he plays tonight, this Thursday night, uh, against uh, Chicago. And then another game this weekend against Chicago. So I would at least hold Bennett for the next two games. Florida just looks great. He's looked wonderful on that second line. Like whether you want to say he's a driver or a passenger, I don't really care. That line has just been really good together. So as long as they keep playing well, I'm going to keep rostering Sam Bennett, especially at the minutes he's playing. Like he's not playing 13 or 14 minutes a game. He's playing 18 plus. So yeah. uh, Even though like, I know the two games this weekend, like you want to get three, if you can, um, I would still go with Bennett. Um, his situation is just too good, especially in the, in this particular uh, instance where power play points are so important. I think I would stick with Bennett. Yeah, it makes sense. If power play points is one of your categories, then maybe you do want to switch Tara Vinan for Bennett, which sounds so crazy considering a few weeks ago. What do you think about Sam Bennett in general? We had a question on our Discord about like his keeper value and whether people should start considering him in a keeper league in their bangers league because not only is he putting up all these points, but he's also throwing all of these hits. Do you think this is in any way for real, like going into next year, he's like a sleeper in drafts that you could expect to be the next, like Vincent Trocek. I don't know if he's going to be Vincent Trocek, but I do think he can be like probably a good third line center. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be like a top six center. I think they still want to go out and get somebody to fill in that uh, second line slot. But honestly, if he's playing 18 minutes, it doesn't really matter if he's on the second line or the third line, right? As long as as long as long that ice time keeps up, as long as he keeps his power play one role, um, I would buy in. Like, I would really watch what they do this summer, but they tend to, you know, I think they're going to be kind of a, a tight team because, you know, it's a flat cap. They tend to not spend to the cap every year anyway, so... I'm I'm up on Bennett. I like I'm up on guys leaving. I genuinely think if you see a young player struggling and he's been with the same team for four or five years, uh, sometimes a change of scenery could really do a lot of wonders. I mean, we just saw that with Alex Galchenyuk a month ago or so. 
Yeah, and I guess we used to call this a Dylan Strom also. He obviously had that big surge when he went to Chicago from Arizona, but now he's kind of slowed down a little bit. So hopefully Bennett can be better than Galchenyuk or uh, Dylan Strom. I guess the thing is with Florida is I wonder like for next year, like if I'm th- thinking really long term, like right now Hornfist is injured, Ekblad is injured. So that's opened up some spots on that top power play. So we'll see if like Bennett can still be a PP1 guy come next year. But yeah, definitely interesting and uh, it'll be a fun guy to follow. It'll be interesting to discuss him in the offseason and try I mean, to project at, what he at can the do. L- at the least, he's probably going to be their 2C, right? Unless they go out and really find somebody. There's nobody like Lusterine or Wenberg isn't going to be their 2C as long as Bennett keeps playing like this. Yeah, and plus, it seems like Quenville is okay splitting up Barkov and Huberdeau. Like, it used to be Barkov, Huberdeau, and like Dadanov together on the top line. But if they're going to split them, then anyone playing on either of those top two lines is playing with a superstar that's going to help them get a lot of points. Yeah, for, so for Julian, I know like you're looking for next week, and you may be seeing that Bennett only plays twice, while Carolina plays four times. So you might be like, oh, maybe I should like stick with Teravainen. You could always do the strategy of like ho- switch to Bennett, get his Saturday game, get his Monday game, and then come Tuesday, that's when you switch for someone else. Either switch back to Tavo or switch to someone else. So maybe that's an option. To yeah, that, that's moves. what I would do. If it's not like a Monday weekly lock, that's what I would do is probably drop Bennett after the game on Monday against Dallas and then go to somebody else. Yeah. Okay, so those are some slumping players. Let's look a little bit to the future, then we'll end with some sit-start decisions for the weekend. So Andy P wanted us to ask, answer this general question like who do we have our eye on right now for a potential bargain draft pick next season so who's someone who like you know their adp is going to fall but then that'll turn out to be a steal i've got a few answers i want to hear yours first the the very first guy that jumped into my brain was dylan larkin um especially where you know he scored at like a half point per game pace this year or something like that and then got hurt like not playing well and then finishing the season injured is a recipe to see your ADP drop by like 50 by like 50 picks. Right. And he wasn't a high pick this year. Anyways, like I think he was in the seventies or eighties. Like I think you're probably going to get him outside the top 100 uh, come September. And I think this is going to be like, I've said this before about Buffalo. So I'm going to be very careful about what I say here, but I think this is going to be the last year that Detroit is a doormat, right? Like, Joel Valeno is in the lineup now. They're getting in some reps. Uh, I was going to say Mason Raymond. (laughs) Lucas Raymond uh, looks like he should be ready for next year. Moritz Cedar looks like he should be ready for next year. Uh, They have a ton of money to spend in free agency uh, in in an offseason where most teams don't. Like I could see Detroit really turning things around in one offseason next year, bringing in two or three young guys, bringing in two or three reliable free agents, something like that. You know, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi has been out pretty much yeah. all season long. Um, it was just, it was just, you know, Dylan Larkin did not get to play with Anthony Mantha at all either. Mantha was on the second line and second power play unit pretty much right up until he got traded. So Larkin was playing without Bertuzzi, without Mantha, without all these young kids. The only help they brought in for free agency, I think, was like Bobby Ryan and Sam Gagne. Like they're just this this season was a throwaway season to get another lottery pick, and they're probably going to get one. I think next season is when they really start to turn it on and you're going to see Dylan Larkin get back and flirt uh, close to a point per game playing, you know, 20 to 21 minutes a night. Okay, yeah, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, you didn't even mention like Zadina, like Verana. Like, so theoretically, this could be a pretty strong team next year, especially if, like you said, they bring in some good free agents. I don't want to say like pretty strong, like, you know, contender, but, you know, better than it's not too hard yeah, to be much better. Be, than I this think year. they could threaten for a playoff spot next year, like, honestly. So I, I hope we'll they do well happens. this offseason. 
yeah, we'll see what happens in Nets. Uh, though <laughs> Thomas Grice has looked uh, decent lately, for for what it's worth. Uh, okay, so the some names, yeah. So I guess that seems like the obvious sort of where place to look is like an injured player. You know, that's maybe off people's radars. Like right away, I started thinking of like you know Kucherov, Eichel, Pedersen. Like Philip Forsberg was having a really good season before he got hurt. So I would definitely be watching for any of these guys. Even Ter- Tevo Teravainen, who we just talked about, especially if Teravainen kind of ends this season not getting many points because he's off the top power play. I've got to imagine if he has a full healthy off season to train, maybe come next year he starts on the top power play where you'd imagine he belongs is where he's been for the last couple of years so i would say he would be a good pick uh then i thought of a couple of players that are more in the larkin range like a kind of a struggling young player who people expected more from two guys who jumped to mind are rasmus dalin who i think people were really stoked on this year and then it was, he just got buffaloed right the whole team wasn't doing anything he's actually doing okay lately though five points in his last six games so a strong finish might be an indication that he'll be good to go next year eichel will you know, obviously be back and hopefully 100%. Then the other name that jumps to me, I'm really curious about this one. This one I could see you going either way. What about Carter Hart for Philly? He had such a terrible end of the season. Well, just terrible season overall, but like he was supposed to be good. Philly was supposed to be good. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I'm i on the side of the fence that Carter Hart is a good goalie. I don't think he's a great goalie. And good goalies can have bad seasons. Uh, we, you know, um, I want to bring... Uh, I was going to bring up Freddie Anderson, but I don't even know if he's a good goalie or not. Uh, that might be a contentious issue. But, like, you know, Connor Hellebuck a couple of years ago had, like, a 9-11, save percentage or something like that, right? And he's probably the best goalie in hockey. Um, I know Carter Hart's nowhere close to, like, a 9-11 this year. Uh, he's a lot lower than that. But uh, I still have faith uh, in Carter Hart. There just seems to be something wrong with Philly this year. Like, I, Sean Couturier, for one... Um, he had a two month stretch where he looked absolutely brutal. Like he was putting up points, but defensively looked atrocious. I know he talked about how he had a hip injury. Now he says that it's healed. Um, you know, Nolan Patrick just really hasn't found his footing, uh, yet this year, Kevin Hayes, I see he's out, uh, tonight. He just hasn't really been himself either this year. It just seems like a lot of guys have just had off years and like, we know what kind of season it's been. I don't want to read too much into one goalie having a bad, you know, 35 bad games or something like that. You know what I mean? So I'm willing to give Carter Hart a little bit of a pass this year. Like I'm not going to draft him as a top 12 goalie or anything next year, but I think it'll present a good buying opportunity at the draft table. Yeah, like my strategy anyways for fantasy drafts nowadays is to not invest big on goalies because it's such a crapshoot anyways. So yeah, I'll wait until like 20 goalies have gone off the board. And then if Carter Hart is still out there at that point, sure, I'll take a swing on someone who could be a volume starter on a what I thought was going to be a good team. Like you said, I guess we'll need Kevin Hayes and these other guys to turn their games around. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Okay, so those are our, like, 
potential steals for the draft next year. Now here's like for a super deep league. I don't know. This question just like randomly got on here. I guess I was chatting yesterday on our Discord and I had picked up a while ago this guy out of free agency in my Dynasty League, Alexander True uh, on the Sharks. And then I saw that he was getting a game yesterday. So I just asked people like, oh, what do you think about Alexander True? And I guess Brian, my co-host for Keeping Carlson, was just kind of making fun of me. And so now he just asked him and I was like, I give me some questions for Michael Clifford. He was like, who's Alexander True? So I guess let's throw it out there. I, I will tell you this about Alexander True, aside from him having a cool last name, is yesterday for the Sharks, he centered the third line with LeBanc and Gregor in the 4-2 win over Arizona. He picked up an assist on the Noah Gregor goal. He had two hits, or uh, one hit, two shots, seven face-off wins if your league counts face-offs. This year in the minors, 20 points in 27 games. It seems like not a nobody. I think I'm happy that I got him out of free agency in my Dynasty League. Yeah, I... Like, this is a guy I didn't really... Like, I really didn't have him on my radar at all until you asked me this question. And it's actually... And I'm glad you actually asked me this question because he is a very big center. He's six foot five, um, seems to have good hands, like good skill. Uh, I don't want to say like he's a, obviously he's not a Ryan Getzlaff or anything like that, but I like a center that can actually work in tight areas at that size. You don't need elite skill. All you need is elite puck protection. And those are two very different things. Um, all he has to do is be able to protect the puck, find his teammates, and he can do that. Um, I think my problem with him is that there's not a lot of hope of advancement, right? As long as he stays at center, because Hurdle and Couture are going to be the centers on this, the top two centers on this team for the next five years. So unless he switches roles or one of those guys switches roles or something like that, he's kind of pigeonholed on the third line. So like, I, I think there's some there's some stuff to get excited about here because I think their entire bottom six is wide open for anybody who plays well. And if he can assert himself, he can get that third line role. Uh, and our PNHLE over at Dauber Prospects, which is like his potential uh, for like point production in the future, has him between a second and a third liner. So like if he can be a third liner, uh, you know, put up some hits with 35 points a year, I think that'd be very successful. I think he has upside beyond that, but I don't like projecting big men because, uh, you know, it's whether or not they can get used to playing the uh, the game at their size. And it seems to vary from guy to guy. But uh, I, a nice start to his career, I will say that for sure. And a guy that I'm definitely interested in moving forward, especially if something happens where they move Thomas Hurdle back to the wing or something. Right. Or if I guess there's an injury at some point, maybe that's a, the point where we have to keep our eye out if like Couture or Hurdle goes down for a stretch. All right. Well, that's interesting. Another person to keep our eye on in San Jose. They they really need one of their young prospects to step up because the the older veterans aren't exactly carrying their weight so much and, and they don't have the cap space to bring in too much more. So you've, you've got to hope one of these players, your Trues or or Noah Gregor, Balsers, I guess Balsers has been OK. I don't know this team. Anyways, who cares about the Sharks? All right, well, let's he's been, go. He's been fine. Yeah, no, boss has been good. Yeah, uh, so let's go now to this week and end the show on people panicking. Hopefully, in a good way, right? You're panicking because you're in your finals and you want to get yourself over the finish line. Uh, one of the big things going on this weekend that's interesting is on Saturday, every single team plays except for Winnipeg, so they've got 15 games. Then on Sunday, there's literally only one game, just Tampa Bay versus Detroit. So maybe the first question should just be: Let's say Sunday morning comes up, you've got one move left, or even like you don't have to wait till Sunday, right? Like 
like come today as you listen to this whoever you have benched on saturday that doesn't play you might as well drop that person to get an extra game who are uh give me a couple players that maybe you're eyeing on these teams detroit and tampa bay that people should rush to grab just to beat out because probably the person they're playing is also looking at the same list of two three potentially decent free agents to add from these teams yeah, uh, I mean, the one guy that would jump out, like, I mean, deep, deep on Detroit is Luke Glendening. Um, he he actually, like, he has decent skill. Like, he's not great, um, but he's reliable. He's usually pretty reliable for 15 to 16 minutes a night, which kind of belies his fourth line status. He's not a true fourth liner. Fourth liners don't play 15, 16 minutes a night. So um, I don't mind uh, if you want to use um Luke Lendenning but there just really isn't a whole lot like if you're if you're rostering somebody from Detroit it's probably somebody from their bottom six if you're rostering somebody from Detroit's bottom six on Sunday morning you are desperate (laughs) uh so I think Luke Lendenning would be the guy on the on the Tampa Bay side I think Patrick Maroon makes the most sense uh if you're looking down the lineup uh he gets some secondary power play time uh he can put up some banger hits like he can shoot he's actually a decent player uh, he's got Ross Colton as his center, and Ross Colton's actually looked pretty good for them since he's been called up. Um, he was in the top six earlier. Now he's down on the fourth line. So I think it would be Patrick Maroon one, Ross Colton two. I don't, and then Luke Glendening three. I just don't think there are any defensemen to really use on Tampa because they've gone to like a five man unit pretty much. Like their top five defensemen are all playing 20 plus, and then like. You know, whoever it is, Jan Ruda, Cal, Cal Foot, Luke Shen, whoever plays like nine minutes. So, like, I imagine those five defensemen from Tampa are already rostered. So you're kind of screwed if you need a, a defenseman. Uh, if you need a defenseman from uh, Detroit, Troy Stetcher's my guy. He's actually he's a guy that doesn't mind jumping up in the play. Uh, probably their best offensive defenseman, not named Hronik. Okay, cool. So yeah, you went super deep. So it's good to know for the people who are looking for like 1% or lower rostered on Fantrax or Yahoo, I'll throw out a couple players that I guess in your examples, they're, they're already long gone. But maybe if you're looking for like a 5 to 10% rostered, uh, you mentioned Joe Valeno earlier on that's come up for Detroit. So he's someone that maybe you can give a spin in his first game. On Tuesday, he had two shots, a hit, a couple blocks, four face-off wins. So we'll see if he does anything today in Detroit's second game or in Valeno's second game on the Red Wings. And then we've already mentioned him on the main show, but if you can still get Alex Barre Boulet over on Tampa. He's getting the best deployment of people who might be available because he's been on the top line, top power play with Point and Palat. And in his last two games, he has one goal in each of them and six shots in each of those last couple of games. So if you could get Barre Boulet, get that extra Sunday game, uh, you could probably do a lot worse. Uh, and then, okay, so then we have just a bunch of Saturday sit-start decisions. Maybe before I get to them, what's your general strategy, Michael? Like, uh, you've, you're sitting down to look at your team Saturday morning. Every single player is playing. You have to, like, you know, play 10 of them, bench 6 of them. How do you even start? Do you just, like, look at the most recent production? Do you look at, like, percent roster? Like, how do you try to make sense of who to play and who to sit? Yeah, I... I'll tell you that there's a guy that works over at Dauber Hockey with me. His name's Adam Daly Fry. Um, he actually does DFS and, and, and NHL sports betting and stuff like that as well. Um, he has a matchup sheet that I subscribe to. Like people can subscribe to it. I think he does it for $30 a month. It, I mainly use it for DFS, but it, it's every matchup for every team and every line in every game, every night. So you know, like Detroit one is going to be going up against, you know, Florida two or like Tampa three is going to be going up against Washington one. Like, you know what all the matchups are. So I just check his. So 
when I need to figure out which guys to sit or which guys to drop, I just, most of the time, uh, when I have like two guys that are close or three guys that are close, I'll check his matchup sheet. And then whichever guys in the best matchup with the most minutes wins. Wow. Okay. So that's going actually deeper than I have ever done. So you're like not only looking at what team they're playing against, but like what line you expect their line to be matching up against and whether that's a good opportunity for them. Wow. Okay. That's very interesting. Uh, maybe I'll get you to send me that link then I can put that in the show notes today so people can get that resource. Okay. So let's put uh, this to the test with some of these questions here. So Sam needs to start uh, six and sit three. So like, I'm going to give you nine guys, which is probably hard for podcast listeners to listen to. But okay, I'll just throw you the names. Nugent Hopkins, Fiala, Kaprizov, Robertson, Reinhardt, Brian Rust, Chandler Stevenson, Taylor Hall, and Andre Palat. I could like give you the names of the teams. But I don't know. Did, did, I don't know if you had a chance to look at this before or if you're just doing this on the fly. No, no. I'm, I, I, I uh, got to look at it before. The way I broke it down was like this. Like, I'm not using Sam Reinhardt because I'm not using anybody from Buffalo. Okay, yeah. Buffalo plays Boston, so it's not the easiest team to score against also. Right. And I think there are some automatics here. Like, Hall is an automatic for me. Uh, Fiala and Kaprizov. Like, I know playing two guys from different lines in the same fantasy lineup can kind of suck. But I find, like, that's a good way to – you can almost, like, bank points. You know what I mean? Like – if that team does well, surely one of those two is going to get into the scoring. So I would roster both Fiala and Kaprizov, especially where they're playing on the same power play unit. Yeah, and they're against uh, St. Louis, and Bennington has been kind of shaky lately. So yeah, that can't be too bad. Yeah, St. Louis's penalty kill hasn't been very good either. Whether it's Bennington, whether it's them, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, the penalty kill just hasn't been very good. So mm-hmm. Fiala, Kaprizov, uh, Rust, power play one, uh, line one, he stays for me. Andre Palat, power play one, line one, he stays for me. And then after that, like you kind of have to dig into like matchups and stuff like that. So as I said, I uh, didn't want to play Sam Reinhardt because I'm pretty sure they're going up against Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you definitely do not want that Bergeron matchup. Uh, as far as Edmonton goes, like I know New- like Nugent Hopkins being like those lines have been split up and they're playing Calgary. And believe it or not, Calgary has the best expected goals against Mark in hockey in the month of April out of any team. They're like, they've really turned it around defensively. So like, I'm going to sit out uh, RNH. I'm going to sit out Reinhardt. Uh, I'm going to sit out uh, Jason Robertson as well, because Dallas, I'm going to have to check this here real quick. I'm pretty sure Dallas has, yeah, Dallas is going into Tampa Bay tonight into Nashville on Saturday. Um, though, though That's not an easy matchup either when you're going into the shutdown pair from Nashville. So the ones I have, Hall, Fiala, Kaprizov, Rust, Palat for sure. And then by just by process of elimination, I'll, I'll take Chandler Stevenson. Okay, yeah, I guess Stevenson versus Robertson is the interesting matchup there at the end. And you're like, you know, Vegas plays Arizona and Dallas plays Nashville. But I don't know. I find like sometimes I get these questions and in the end of the day, it's kind of like sometimes just a coin flip. You know, like someone tweets at us, should I play Robertson or Stevenson tonight? It's like, I don't know. I mean, who knows? It's like a 51 to 49 yeah, <laughs> chance of getting yeah, it right. Yeah, trust me, man. I play DFS. I'm <laughs> this is the type of stuff that happens every day. Yeah, long term. I actually like Chandler Stevenson's really, I've changed my opinion of him so much this season, like in the same roster spot last year, he just seemed to be a guy who somehow is centering Stone and Pacioretty and they're getting tons of points and somehow Stevenson couldn't get in on anything. But this year, it's like he's getting the points you'd expect him to get just from being in that spot. Uh, so yeah, going into next year, it'll be interesting to see where he gets ranked. But uh, Jason Robertson obviously having an amazing year himself. Okay, so LD had a couple for us. Uh, that's E-L-D-Y, not L-D. Uh, so first to start 
start two of defensemen. So Petrie, Shabbat, Roman Yosi, and Matt Grizzlick. Uh So which two jump out at you here? I mean, Petrie for sure, because uh, Montreal has two games this weekend, and they have one of them against Ottawa. So Petrie's in for me. Right. And yeah, I should mention that I think these questions are specifically like for Saturday. So on Saturday, yeah, yeah Montreal plays Ottawa. Yeah, Montreal plays Ottawa on Saturday. And then it comes down to what you want to do with the last guy. Like, if you want to play, um, if you want to play uh, Grizzly, I have no problem with that because they're playing Buffalo. But I would have a hard time starting Matt Grizzly over Roman Yossi in this what could be the second to last day of my fantasy seasons. I'm a I'm a play your studs kind of guy, mm-hmm. so I would say Yossi and Petrie. Yeah, though then you're sitting Shabbat, who also I consider a stud, so it's a tough one. I, I, I feel like I agree with you that I wouldn't be able to bring myself to play Grizzlick, even though maybe he has the easiest uh, competitor, just because Petrie, Shabbat, and Yozi are just like, you know, seem to be such a tier above. Okay, then LD also has for forwards start too, so William Carlson, David Krejci, Braden Shen. Braden Shen, by the way, like, for sure, I'm, by the way, not saying Braden Shen. He annoys me so much. Having my Dynasty League, I needed a big night from him yesterday. St. Louis scores four goals. He has no goals, no assists, <laughs> no shots, no face-off wins, because he's not a center anymore, I guess. What are you doing for me, Braden Shen? So get the, get the heck out of here. And then Jared McCann. So basically, it's start three between William Carlson, Krejci, and McCann for me. Yeah, so McCann going into Washington. Like, Washington's... Uh, um, defensive numbers have started falling off a bit but that's still kind of a tough matchup so he's out for me like anybody from st louis is basically out for me like they like we it's a couple times we've brought it up on the show already like they just haven't been playing well and they Mm -hmm. none of their lines really look that good i know they had that comeback uh wednesday night but uh one game does not a season make so uh i'm pretty much out on shen i don't like that matchup for mccann so give me krejci going up against buffalo Give me William Carlson going up against Arizona. Yeah, sounds good. I guess also with McCann, Malkin, the word is Malkin is like practicing, so he might be back by that game, in which case maybe McCann gets bumped from the top power play, and obviously that kills a lot of his value. All right, last one for us from Steven. So he needs to start two out of Bunting, Tuck, Schmaltz, and Balsers. So a deeper choice here. Yeah, a lot deeper choice. Uh, Tuck is the guy that stuck out to me immediately, uh, you know, playing for Vegas, and they get the Arizona matchup. So I think Tuck is the guy that you put in no matter what. The question is what you do next, because you either have Balsers going into Colorado, which I think is the worst matchup uh, in the NHL, or you have Bunting or Schmaltz uh, going uh, into Vegas in that same game. So, like, neither matchup really appeals to me here. I'll say Tuck and Bunting because Bunting can bring uh, across the board, uh, can bring across the board stats. Like, he can bring you hits, he can bring you shots. Uh, he's playing, you know, reasonable amount of minutes. Like, last game I'm looking up right now, nearly 20 minutes. So, um, you know, regularly over 15. So, for me, it's Bunting just for the fact that uh, he can kind of bring it uh, across the board. Um, and Balsers really isn't in that, you know, kind of same realm as him. Uh, and then Tuck is the automatic. Yeah, I guess the one thing with Balsers, I know you said going against Colorado is like a tough matchup. I think it really depends if, like, who's in nets. <laughs> because lately, like, when they've had Dubnik or Johansson in net, it's been a lot of goals against in those games. So I think the word is that Grubauer is going to play Friday, which might mean that one of these backups plays Saturday. Though if Colorado wants to win, they probably just need to play Grubauer twice, but maybe they don't care. So I, I, w- I would maybe wait to make that decision until we find out who Colorado's goalie is, and then maybe take... Uh, Balsers over 
bunting. I don't know. I mean, again, no, that, that, that would actually, that, no, that would make sense. But the, the only problem is if it's a back-to-back and you're playing in Colorado, like when are you going to find out who the goalie is on Saturday, right? It might not be until after 70, because, you know, 6, 7 Eastern. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then I guess, yeah, depending if it's too, if, if you have to make your decision because Bunting's game is about to start uh, and we don't know the Colorado goalie yet, then yeah, just play it safe and go with Michael Bunting. All right. Fair enough. All right, Michael, I think uh, we've done it. We've gone through all of the questions a little bit over a half hour. I did my best. I, I'm the long podcast host. I'm not used to these short shifts. But I'm doing no, the best I, I can. I'm, bad, I'm bad at that too. Like our, our NHL DFS show, I'll be like, oh, we got lots of time. And then there's four minutes left and we still have three games to talk about or something. Right. I think we did pretty well. I think we should give ourselves we a pat we on the back. Well. Yeah, we did. <laughs> So thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, people should check out all your work at Dauber Hockey. I love the daily ramblings, all the articles there. Then you, your DFS at Osmo.com. Anything else you want to get people to check out? Obviously, Slim Cliffy on Twitter. People should follow you. Yeah, no, that's just about it. I just uh, just check out Dauber Hockey. Check out Osmo. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you feel like it. You'll probably unfollow within a week. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 it's a good follow for me. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for coming on. Good Thank luck this weekend me. in your fantasy leagues. Good luck, everyone.